0: Hey everybody, this is Pastor Todd and you're listening to the Grace Community Church Sermon Podcast. Josh, Kath, Daniel, thank you for uh, leading us in worship. Cam, Brian, Jordy, thank you for helping us. Devin, buddy, thanks for capturing it for the people who will join us next week. We love each and every one of you. Thank you to those of you on the door who are here so early at 7 a.m. to uh, make sure that our systems are in place. Christian, thank you for cleaning the room as we go. Just so appreciate each and every one of you. As we said off the top, welcome to church. So glad you're here. If uh, you're new to our church, you're in for a wild ride. This is a great church full of wonderful people. And God is being merciful to us. And we are seeing him do exciting things even in the midst of these very difficult days. So you've picked a good one. So we're glad that you're here, and I look forward to getting to know you as we uh, journey together. Usually uh, in pre-pandemic days, this is where we would pause to take up your tithes and offerings. Uh, These days, all our giving has moved online. And if you have been giving generously online, thank you for that. I uh, was reminding myself on a run this week that I haven't talked about Tithing in specifics lately. Um, I will do so more and more in the coming weeks. But I know that for some of us who are new to church and you're thinking about giving, you're like, "This is my church now. I want to help make this thing go." And uh, maybe you don't know where to start and like, "What's what's the level? What should I be growing towards?" And uh, there's two kind of things that we keep in mind as we give in this church. We remember that the Old Testament pattern, the pattern from the Jewish scriptures, was. Starting at 10% and then growing up to 22 to 27% in any given year of all their income Went to provide for the Lord's ministry in the country of Israel now We are neither Jews nor are we under uh, the requirements of the Jewish scriptures So uh, we don't hold that number as you know sacred or anything But then we piggyback from that to the New Testament story when the first church in Jerusalem wait for it had everything in common So the New Testament church set things at 100%. And everyone said, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy. So we're hoping that as we journey together, you will land somewhere between 10% and 100% of your income being given back to make this thing go. And if you think that's crazy, I just invite you to dig a little bit into stories of God's people who have found tremendous joy as they have funded his mission. I remember um, interviewing... Um, Pastor Rick Warren's wife, Kay Warren He's the pastor of Saddleback Church He wrote a very famous book called The Purpose Driven Life And uh, his book has I think it's the number two selling book next to the Bible So uh, they made a lot of money On this book And I remember them talking to me about Their pattern of tithing And as young people, they kind of grew to where they were giving 10%. And if you have walked that journey, you know that that's a little bit stressful. You get to the point where you move the decimal point on your, used to be paycheck, but now on your direct deposit, you're like, oh, help me, Jesus. It's pretty scary the first time you do that. But uh, they have now grown, as their income has grown, to the point where they give 90% of their income um, back. To the service of the Lord. And for multi-millionaires such as them, uh, you can see that they, as pastors of Saddleback Church, are key in funding the mission of Saddleback Church. And I was just so humbled to hear that story. And so in my family's life, our goal is to grow towards 10% and beyond. So that's kind of the numbers that we're playing with. So we should all thank God that we're not a New Testament church at 100% and that we are not um, people under the Jewish law um, restricted to 10%. So that's where we try to land, something we did with uh, your generosity this past week. There should be some visuals here, Jordy. If you see them, you can throw them up as I mentioned it. We ran a food drive and uh, it was called the top 10 by 100. So our goal was to collect 100 boxes full of food that contained in them the top 10 food items that most families who are in need uh, really wants to have. And uh, so we're just so excited that uh, in partnership with the Parkwood Gardens Neighborhood Group and the West Willow Woods Neighborhood Group, we were able to collect 80 boxes of food. So we wanted to get 100, we got 80. So your reach should always exceed your grasp, right? So don't feel bad that we only got 80. That's 80 families for getting a box of food containing the 10 most needed items. Did they have the photo? Yeah. So I mean. We just clap for the Lord. You can clap for that. So epic, so humbling. And uh, here's a note from Linda, who is kind of the point leader at West Willow Woods neighborhood group. She sent us a letter after she got all the boxes. This is, let's see if Pastor Todd can read this and not cry. No, I won't be able to. I also wanna deeply share how much we and I appreciate all of the food donations. The food is deeply needed right now by many of our families. And just last week, I was worrying how to meet the food needs. And our prayers have honestly been answered. And a deep and sincere thank you. So, you know, I was just mentioning to you that there's a, there's a million people worldwide who are walking the grief journey. Now that number can be an abstraction. So I just wanna remind you that 80 families is eight zero families, 80 families who are in a situation where they need someone to pack them a box with food. And if that doesn't motivate you to do more, I really don't know what will. I have no napkins. This is like a cardinal sin. So that's one thing my mask is good for. So look, I know I'm crying like a televangelist. I don't care. Hopefully, you can tell I'm not faking it. GraceCommunity.ca/give is how you uh, find out how to fund us. We do need your partnership, and this is your church. We definitely need you to step up. The fall is a very expensive time for us and uh, we need you to give like never before with that said let's jump into the preaching of god's word we're in our uh, series called i did it for the pizza in case you're here for the first time i got this series from my daughter zoe who serves on patrol at her school because of the pizza not just that but we were talking about it one week and i asked her why she did it and what she was getting out of it she said dad dad i did it for the pizza Turns out once a quarter, they get a pizza party that if you serve on patrols, you get invited to. So she did it for the pizza. Um, But sometimes you do it to avoid suffering. That's sometimes what motivates you. The urge to avoid suffering at any cost. Let's uh, talk about suffering. We were promised sufferings. They were part of the program. We were even told, blessed are they that mourn. And I accepted, I've got nothing that I hadn't bargained for. Of course, it is a different thing when it happens to oneself, not to others, and in reality, not imagination. C.S. Lewis from A Grief Observed. There is the solitude of suffering when you go through darkness that is lonely, intense, and terrible. Words become powerless to express your pain. What others hear from your words is so distant and different from what you are actually suffering. Can anyone relate to that? Man, John O'Donohue from Anamkara, a book of Celtic wisdom. You may be surprised to hear your pastor quote this guy, but I think this quote reflects what many of your friends think and feel. The total amount of suffering per year in the natural world is beyond all decent contemplation. During the minute that it takes me to compose this sentence, thousands of animals are being eaten alive. Many others are running for their lives, whimpering with fear. Others are slowly being devoured from within by rasping parasites. Thousands of all kinds of dying are, are dying of starvation, thirst, and disease, it must be so. If there ever is a time of plenty, this very fact will automatically lead to an increase in the population until the natural state of starvation and misery is restored. You know who this is, don't you? In a universe of electrons and selfless, selfish genes, blind physical forces, and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe that we observe has precisely the properties we should expect if there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. Our friend, Richard Dawkins. River out of Eden, a Darwinian view of life. There is an ancient tribal proverb I once heard in India. It says that before we can see properly, we must first shed our tears to clear the way. Liba Bray, the sweet far thing. That's Pastor Todd right there. I cry a lot. We are healed of a suffering only by experiencing it to the full. Marcel Proust. How awesome are those quotes? (laughs) You're welcome. I I choose them because I'm thinking of you and I love you. There's nothing we avoid quite so much as suffering. I preached about death recently. I think suffering is an even bigger problem. Death can be much more of an abstraction, right, because most of the time it's far off. Suffering is very close. Am I right? We suffer constantly. There's nothing we hate quite so much as suffering. I want to help you redeem your tendency to avoid suffering by using Romans 5, 1 through 5. I did something new today. Um, I've emphasized every point I'm preaching. So I'm gonna try to keep doing this so you can get used to when you see the text, if the word is italicized or bolded or underlined, you can know that that's a point I'm coming to. So I hope that as you kind of see the text and think about it, the Holy Spirit will maybe kind of set some hope in your heart even before I get to it. So that's pretty fun. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Seven ways to deal with suffering. Well, I'm going to cry through this whole sermon. It's good means my empathy is at a high level which means the word has gotten into my heart first way to deal with suffering remember that you're leaving a legacy get this out of verse one therefore i've taught you this right every time a therefore appears in the scripture make sure you know what it's there for therefore the therefore here is referring to romans chapter four romans chapter four is all about the faithfulness of abraham our father abraham because we as christians have been grafted into god's jewish people Chapter 4 is all about Father Abraham and his faith. The key thing about Abraham comes out of Genesis 15, verse 6. It's echoed in Romans 4, verse 3. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's what's special about Abraham. He believed God, and God counted it to him as righteousness. But very simply, here's what I think about Abraham's way of life. Here's what I think about his point of view. I believe that Abraham looked at the world and looked at God and came to the point where eventually he was able to say, okay, God, we'll do it your way. That's Abrahamic faith. Okay, God, we will do it your way. I want to remind you this morning, because I care about you, that if you learn to live that way, okay, God, we'll do it your way. Not only will you be righteous, but you will leave a legacy. You deal with suffering by remembering that you're leaving a legacy like Abraham. Notice I don't say like Abraham's. I don't think any of us are going to rise to the level of Abraham's legacy. But you're leaving a legacy like Abraham left a legacy. Live God's way. Leave a legacy. Suffering is much easier to endure when you believe that your life is being spent on something that will last. Amen? Okay, you want to deal with suffering? Remember you're leaving a legacy. And point number two, let the knowledge of your accomplished right standing with God give you peace. Still in verse one. Therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ It's important here notice these key words Therefore since we have been Justified been okay it's already done I don't know if you ever prophesy that word over yourself maybe start this week This is a habit for me I find myself in trouble I think on the redemption of God in Christ And I sometimes say, even out loud, it's already done. Okay, you find yourself in trouble, remind yourself it's already done. You have been justified. Justified means you've been given right standing before God. You all know about your sin problem. I don't need to hammer this point too hard. You know that you're broken, that the world around you is broken, that the people you deal with in the world are broken. Nobody wants to admit that they believe in sin until someone sins against them. God has dealt with your sin problem in Jesus. God's holy. He hates sin. He can't tolerate it. This is a problem. He made us to be his friends, and yet we are sinful. This goes back to our first parents, Adam and Eve, sinning in the Garden of Eden in the matter of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, disobeying God's clear instructions, saying, You know what, God? I've got a better idea. And ever since, that is basically what we humans do. We look at God. We thumb our nose at him. We say, You know what? Master of the universe, I've got a better idea. I think I'm going to do it my way. And this was what leads to humanity's problem with sin Sin separates us from God The wages of sin, the consequences of it are death You know this Every time someone sins against you Something dies in that relationship So here we have a problem An eternal holy God who made humanity to be his friends forever And yet humanity has fallen into sin And death What is God to do? On the one hand he could wipe us out of course That would be a natural That would be kind of unfortunate Seeing as he made us In the first place to be with him forever so he had to do something about it which is why god the father sent god the son to become the man jesus christ who would live a perfect and a sinless life and who would one day go to the cross where he would suffer and die in your place for your sins c.s lewis who i just love more than almost any christian author is famous for putting it this way At the cross, what we see is the great exchange. As Jesus hangs there, if you think of this cosmically, what's happening is that his goodness is coming to you as your badness goes to him. This is what justification means, that Jesus' holiness has been applied to your account so that when God the Father looks at you, he sees his son. And no one brings the Father pleasure like God the Son. Because of what Jesus has done in his cross and in his resurrection, you have been justified by faith. Faith is so important in the Christian journey. I just got to remind you that here's how faith works. You believe first and then slowly over time, you begin to see it come true. Let me say it again. You believe first and then slowly, somebody receive it today, over time, you begin to see it come true. So many people fall away from faith because their faith doesn't run on their preferred schedule. I'm just here to remind you because I care about you, that you're dealing here with the God of the universe. Everything runs on his timeline. So it's okay to be frustrated, it's normal. I even encourage you to tell him that you're frustrated. This is half of the Psalms, is the psalmist saying, come on already! Okay, it's totally fine and normal to be frustrated. But do not cross the line into aligning your life with your timeline. By faith, we have peace with God. This is so important. Once your foundational relationship, your relationship with God, we have peace with God. Once your foundational relationship is mended, all other relatings in your life can begin their journey into wholeness also. But not until then. I do not think that all who choose wrong roads perish, but their rescue consists in being put back on the right track. A sum can be put right, but only by going back till you find the error and working it afresh from that point, never simply by going on. Evil can be undone, but it cannot develop into good. Time does not heal it. The spell must be unwound, bit by bit or else not. C.S. Lewis from The Great Divorce. If you have confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised him from the dead according to Romans 10 verse 8 you have right standing with God. So if that is you live in peace. And point number three live a life that's constantly moving in to grace because you've been invited. I get this out of verse two the first part. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. It's with great joy in my heart. I I hope you can feel the love I have for you, even across the airwaves. I hope you can feel that I care for you in a way that is genuine. Okay? It's with great joy in my heart that I stand before you today to remind you that you have been invited to the party. Isn't it one of the worst things in life to be left out? (laughs) Somebody give him praise in this house. He has not left you out. (laughs) Woo, I could (laughs) preach today. (laughs) You've been invited. Through him you have been given access. You ever been given backstage access? Anybody ever experienced that? You ever got like a VIP? Wave at me if you ever had like VIP backstage access. Pretty fun. Did quite a bit of itinerant preaching in my 20s. Something you might not know about me So preach to very big crowds Sometimes little crowds Biggest crowd I ever preached to was 12,000 people Really fun I was working with Jars of Clay and Third Day Two Christian bands that were very popular 20 years ago We were at Kingswood Music Theater At Canada's Wonderland And so The bands played and in between them I got to preach to 12,000 people Pretty fun And I'll never forget driving up and waving our VIP badges. It's kind of cool to get access into the places that you always wonder about. To walk into the green room and to eat their M&Ms that have been strained so there's no red ones. I don't know. Whatever ridiculous rider the artists have happened to send to the promoter. I remember standing on the stage as the band played. I'd never get to stand in the wings before. It was cool. When I used to uh, produce one of my television series in Hollywood, we would rent out the entire mezzanine floor of the Montage Hotel in Beverly Hills. If you've ever been to the Montage or if you ever go, it's, you're like, whoa, my pastor used to work here. It's pretty crazy. You're standing next to Russian oil barons and criminals as you walk into work. So we have the whole mezzanine floor uh, leased out for the week. In one room, all the stars would get their makeup done and schmooze and get their gift bags. In the next room, we would take all their photos and process all their photos for the behind-the-scenes segment of the show. In the third room was me and the cameras. And so they would, you know, work these very famous people through these three rooms. And I always loved walking up to work. And I was so VIP that I didn't even need a VIP badge. Everyone knew who I was, and kind of the red sea would part as I'd walk down the hall. It was cool. VIP access is cool. You're like, Pastor Todd, why would you like that? (sighs) Because all of us want to feel special. All of us want to be noticed. And what's beautiful about the gospel is that in Christ, God has noticed you. If you belong to Jesus, you're the definition of VIP. You've been invited in, so keep moving in to more and more grace because you've been invited. You've been invited. So point number four, let that goodness that you do not deserve, that you've been given, make you happy even in constriction. I think we can all agree that none of us deserve VIP access. Not at me if you agree, right? You know yourself. You know that you don't really deserve to be God's friend. So that's goodness you don't deserve, which is the definition of grace. So let that grace that you don't deserve that has been given to you make you happy even when times are tough. I get this out of verse two, part B through three, part A. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Here we come to the crux. The word for sufferings here in the original language is constriction. Suffering is constriction. It can also be interpreted as affliction, this is a prophetic word for us. Have you been feeling a little squeezed by life lately? Somebody say amen. Or is it just me? Right? A little bit squeezed by life lately? The grace that we have been given in Jesus should make us happy. Why? Because we belong to God, and God wins. He wins. And you belong to him So this means that even while being squeezed You can keep your eyes up And a smile on your face And joy in your heart And peace in your soul I believe it, I've experienced it Has anyone else ever experienced this kind of joy This kind of peace I'm talking Wave at me if you ever experienced this Because of Jesus Right, you don't experience it all the time None of us are perfect super saints But you're here, aren't you You survived last week, didn't you Yeah, you did, by God's grace. Why can you live this way with your eyes up, a smile on your face, joy in your heart, and peace in your soul? Because, point number five, you know that. Constriction leads to under-remaining, leads to testedness, leads to expectation. I get this out of verses three through five. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Here's the big idea. You're gonna love this, I hope. Life is like weightlifting. It is, it's like weightlifting. If you deal with enough, hear me now, if you deal with enough affliction, you will learn to bear a burden which will toughen you up to the point that you end up looking forward to spiritually being like dr brace what are you talking about pastor todd okay november of last year i did my first deadlift through all my years as a high performance athlete i never once did a deadlift why because they looked too difficult and i did not want to suffer so last november i started doing deadlifts and this past march just before COVID. in fact this was like our second um, to last workout before they shut us down. Never done them before. Here's uh Pastor Todd deadlifting 305 pounds. Watch this. Yeah. <laughs> so that's 305 pounds. Now, before you uh, clap too hard for Pastor Todd, let me show you what uh, Dr. Matty Brace um, did recently. Here's a uh, Dr. Matt and that would be 405 pounds. Just watch this craziness. (laughs) Life is like weightlifting. Now, Matt, how long ago did you start deadlifting? It wasn't long ago, right? Two years. So a year for me, two years for him. Life is like weightlifting. As grace gives you joy and hope, you develop strength to endure, which turns into battle testedness because you've been here before and you survived. So you've gotten tougher and you're tougher than ever. And you're able to look forward now to victory with a sure expectation because point number six, hope does not disappoint. My friends, if you avoid suffering, you avoid the opportunity to get stronger. So stop it. Stop avoiding suffering. Embrace it because it will toughen you up. You will get battle tested to the point that you can look forward with expectation to victory because hope does not disappoint. We get this out of verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame. You know what shame means here in the original? Downviling or mortifying. Why is mortifying so good? Mortis, death. Okay, hope does not put us to death. Put another way, hope reverses the effects of sin and death. Put another way, hope reverses the curse. If you want to live, find Jesus, find hope. Point number seven, find love. And Josh and Kath and Daniel, you can join me because I'm done. I get this out of verse 5. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Okay, this is the number one reason why I am still, all these years later, a charismatic, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled Christian because the love of god is poured into and through the people of god by the holy spirit of god note it is not poured into and through the people of god by the goodness of the people of god by their right moral standing by their pure ethics by the good deeds that they do all these things follow from a life lived in god's service But the love of God is poured into and through the people of God by the Spirit of God. Here's your recap if you wanna deal with suffering. Live God's way, leave a legacy. Let your accomplished right standing give you peace. Be constantly moving into grace because you've been invited. Let that goodness you don't deserve that you've been given make you happy even in suffering. Because life is like weightlifting. The more you suffer, the more you can bear, the more battle-tested you become, the more you can look forward to victory with a certain expectation because hope does not disappoint. It's actually reversing the curse in your life because of God's love. Um, Tell that to your problems. And somebody said, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. We're kicking off a brand new sermon series next week in the Book of Micah. The series is called Best Ever. To sign up, visit our website, gracecommunity.ca.